0: This is Fostering Conversations with Utah Foster Care, where we have insightful conversations about parenting for bio, foster, adoptive, or blended families to better understand the experiences we all face as families. Hi, I'm Deborah Lindner, along with Liz Rivera, my co-host and director of education for Utah Foster Care. We'll be introducing our listeners out there to Curly Me on this episode. Curly Me is a wonderful organization that can be an important resource to foster families and all families of color living in Utah.
1: It's so wonderful this organization because they're here specifically to support girls who are brown and black, but they also open up a lot of their events to everybody in the community because really know we're all in this together and the more we understand each
0: other's perspective
1: the better we do as a
0: community and this is especially a resource of course to our foster families but even if you're not a foster family they're having an event coming up in february that will be of great interest to you yeah
1: in february is black history month so it's perfect timing so i'm going to go ahead and uh, introduce alicia and we'll bring her in on the conversation because she's the one that really is the expert on this and we want to hear from her Our guest is Alicia Dersau, Executive Director of Curly Me, a nonprofit that is a resource for families with children of color, specifically Black girls between the ages of 5 to 14 years of age. They have an event coming up, and we'll repeat this at the end, and we'll make sure it's on our episode page as well, on Saturday, February 3rd. And it's for everyone in the community to meet professional women of color. The name of the event is Change the World with Her. And the goal is to educate, empower, and encourage girls of color to see themselves in each other and in professional women and develop a positive relationship with themselves. So, Alicia, welcome. And tell us
2: how Curly Me started and how you got involved. Thank you so much for having me today. When I moved to Utah in 2013, I did not plan to stay here at all. I'm originally from the East Coast, and I definitely planned to move back, but I made a decision to stay in 2015, and that was the year that I noticed some things that I had as a child in New Jersey that I didn't see here for young people. I don't have children, and at the time, I didn't have children, and so I noticed a need, and I wanted to be a part of the solution, and as a community member, someone who grew up with parents who were very involved with our community um, back home, I wanted to just throw my hat in the game of trying to educate, empower, and encourage what I didn't see, which were events and resources for Black girls. So in 2015, we started with just doing hair in regards to hair education. I'm not a cosmetologist. So we partnered with a a local uh, salon. And from there, we just building relationship with community, of parents with black girls and understanding it was more than hair. And I knew that, but I didn't know how that existed in the state of Utah at the time. And now five years later, we have quarterly events and group mentoring to help educate, empower, and encourage these black girls to be their best selves. And so it's definitely what I thought that I would be doing back home, I'm doing in the state of Utah and I've been enjoying it ever since. And it's a very valuable
0: organization to have here, especially in Utah. Alicia, you mentioned, I was looking through your website and there was a video interview with you where you mentioned your Costco moment. Tell me about that.
2: Yeah. So I had been here for a couple of years at that point and I went into a Costco up north. I can't remember. I think it was like Bountiful or something like that. And. I had a moment where I had gone through the Costco and I didn't see anybody that looked like me. And this was a little around the time that Curly me was starting and I knew how it made me feel. I was at the time was a 26, 27 year old woman who was pretty confident in themselves, but just to not be able to see yourself in the public, it just it just made you stop and think like, jeez. So I started to imagine a lot of what I was experiencing, how that would feel as a, you know, a five-year-old or a 15-year-old where you're going places and you may not see yourself. And sometimes it may not matter, but what we've learned is it does matter to our young people. And we want to make sure that we provide a safe space for them or just a space. Some people will be like, I feel safe, I'm fine. But just to be able to say I'm a part of the majority I don't believe our Black children have that opportunity. And so in spaces that Curly Me provides, they will notice that they are the majority and they build friendships. They're able to relate. They're, and more, not more importantly, but equally as important, parents get to talk and you get to build community. Not only the kids, but the parents get to build or the guardians, the adults in the room get to build community And people get to find out a way to how do I give back in a maybe tangible way or an in-kind way, how we can give back to one another and be the community that we say we want to see. And that's so important.
0: You don't realize it, I think, till you have children, how important that community of other parents is.
2: Definitely. Just throughout the, the years, being able to connect with families. And sometimes when families don't know, they'll just drop their children off. A lot of our events, especially for um, our 10 and under, we don't have families just drop their kids off because it's very important for you to connect and know who your children are. I mean, we do this at school. You go to parent-teacher conference, you talk to families. It's no different to when you're having a sleepover with, or some parents, I grew up not being able to do sleepovers, but you still want to know. My parents still knew who the, the families were and it's just getting to know each other, different perspectives, different understanding of how our children are being raised in the state.
1: One thing we talked about is that the focus of your programming—not your necessarily your events, which are open to the to anyone in the community—but your specific programming is for girls between the ages of five and fourteen. Black girls. Tell me what? Why that age range? Why? Why did you choose that
2: age range? You know, honestly, for the programming. We wanted to make sure that before they got in high school, when I was thinking of like age groups, like why not all age groups? Well, first of all, I, when I started, I didn't have the bandwidth. I currently have a full-time job, has, have always had a full-time job. Sometimes I had a full-time job and a part-time job, like me figuring out me as a person as well, but now I'm in school, I'm in a master's program. So all of that goes into me thinking back to when I was a child and what did I, again, what did I have as a child? I always had those resources that by the time that I got to high school, junior high, I'm not going to say I was the most confident, but I had a level of confidence. I knew a little bit about myself. I knew I had friends. Though I'm from the East Coast, I went to predominantly white schools and my parents had me in areas. My community was diverse. I had black friends. I had white friends. And it was not. it wasn't a big deal. And so... Having that age group allows us to help with establishing who you are, identity, establishing a community that you can always come back to. That's, I mean, we have girls who've aged out who are now 14 or 15 and are coming back. Or we have girls to volunteer. They come back to volunteer. Or we have girls that'll say, you know, it really, at the time, you don't see it. So we became a nonprofit in 2018, but we were doing the work in 2015, 16, 17, and on. And so these girls were growing up as we were growing up. And now some of them are in college and are saying, you know, it really made a difference. We don't know that at the time. We can see that at the time because some of our our children aren't talking. They're too not too cool. But I mean, like they have their own personality. But to know and to hear that says that they're coming back because they see something and they wish they had X, Y, and Z, because as they were growing up, we were developing all of these programs and events. But to have that particular age group for our Black girls in programming, I can see how that is making a difference. We can see, our families can see how that is making an impact on our girls. And that's why we chose that age group. We are looking to expand as our girls are growing up to make sure that they have that leadership, further leadership development, access and opportunity to various things. I know the state of Utah is changing when it comes to how they feel about diversity. And so I think having a consistent resource in the community that says, this is what we stand for. This is what we're standing on. And we're not trying to deviate from the conversation of identity to belonging, access and opportunity.
0: And even if you're a foster family and your child is young and you say, we don't have any issues, we never hear her, you know, saying she feels odd, but to lay that foundation at a young age,
2: that's what matters. Agreed. So again, we've had children start out with us and then we don't see them or they age out, but we believe that as long as we are consistent, they know they can always come back. We're not here to be like, oh, you're 16. We can't help you. There's always volunteering opportunities. We're not turning our backs on girls or families that say we don't need this anymore or our children don't want to come because children, as they're developing and figuring out who they are, they may not want to be. They may not want to be the majority. And that is a conversation in itself. Sometimes they like being in a setting that they're in, but to understand that you always have the option. And that's what I feel like I've personally seen. You just always have the option. You don't always have to come. Some people might just be connected to me because we started out that way. Some people love the events and don't want to have anything to do with me, but it's not about me, the individual. It's about making sure that our children and family have these resources
1: in the community.
2: So I guess one question,
1: especially for the younger kids, it obviously takes the parent to, you know, want to do this and to support their daughter in doing this. What are some things you tell parents why this is important? Whether that child is being raised in their family of origin and they're Black too, or they're, maybe it's a transracial adoption. What are some of the things that you would say to parents to encourage them to at least introduce their daughters to Curly and me?
2: As soon as you said that, I thought of a family. And it takes a minute, even if they're not voicing it. It takes a minute sometimes because, again, this is new. I see it all the time. We have girls, children that come into spaces and they just look around, especially if they're young. They just look around and they don't know. And then as they grow up, they're like, they're still shy. I I have another family that's coming to mind as well. They're still shy, but their parents keep bringing them. And it may not be to all the events but it's to some. And it's a sprinkle. It was a sprinkle of just, we're going to this event today. Just like you go to all these other events, Utah is very family oriented and has a lot of family oriented events throughout the year. This is just another event that you can go to. And again, it's like planting the seed of this is what you have access to. If you feel like this isn't for you right now, we're not going anywhere. We've been around, again, since 2015, building and collaborating and partnering and, being, and wanting to be around families that want to be around us and learn from us. We bring in some experts. So again, it may not be that you want to come to our events, but maybe your child is very, they really want to get involved with programming or they want to try out and see what it's like. Our programming allows them to do that. And our programming is specific for our tweens because they can sit a little longer. They can understand, have more dialogue with us. So from 11 to 14, our tweens have access to monthly programming on behalf of our organization. And whatever collaboration and partnership we're able to cultivate, we can open that up to everyone. Right now, our programming is specifically for our 11 to 14-year-olds. And the events are for everybody. The 11 to 14-year-olds, are they're now in their tween years. They're now in junior high, and that's a whole other ball game. And so we, we, the conversations aren't just tea parties and, you know, fashion shows. It's a whole lot of other stuff. So we want to make sure they have the space and opportunity to have those conversations. So tell us about
0: some of the women that are going to be at the Change the World event.
2: Yeah, so... The great part about Change the World with Her, it was one of our first events that we put together. And it's if I think about the families that are starting to age out, that's one of the top events that we have that they love to come to because uh, they get to see these different, not only women, professionals in diverse professions. So they are able to come and we separate our younger kids from our older kids just because our older kids can sit a little longer. But when you come into the event after the welcome and all of that type of stuff, we have the opportunity for the youth to go around to each table. They spend about seven to eight minutes at each table, and then they bop around and learn about these other professionals like pilots, flight attendants, physical therapists we've had, a ther- therapists, dietitians, folks that work in theater, folks who work in cybersecurity. All of these different careers, and this is the intro. We've deemed this as our intro to Curly Me event. It's a lot of things going on. We have vendors there for families to, to have access to resources and opportunities that are available to our youth. We want to make sure that while the little children are going around from table to table, our tweens, 11 and older, are able to sit with these some of these same professionals Different people, of course, but just similar profession in another room. And they're able to actually ask the question, because if you can imagine, you have some young people that are 13 and I want to be a therapist and that's it. And so we have a therapist there that they can come and talk to. You know, what was the career path? What was your path once you graduated from high school? What was your path when you were in high school, if you knew or when you got to college, you know, how hard was it or You know, what was it like maybe being the only Black girl or person in your program? Because they bring the race conversations up. We do not. So we think that our children aren't talking about this, but I've been looking at some data. So Utah State Board of Education released a document about incidents, and I wish I had it in front of me, but it was about different incidents and disciplines. And it just came out this year from last year. And one of the top things was that children were being bullied. And this is all children, right? But what it lines up to the message that our children are giving us in these sessions of like, yeah, they're always saying the N-word or they're always this and that. And it's just, how do you learn in that type of environment if someone's saying it and then the schools aren't really responding in an in a amicable way that makes a child feel safe? I'm not saying this is all children. I'm just saying, you know, we already as tweens and and young people, we have to or they have to deal with all the size, social media. But then to add being called names into the mix and not feeling value, our children are worth more than what we can imagine. And so. When they're in these learning environments and they have to deal with all these things, I'm not excluded. I dealt with the same thing. But to have parents who are supported by their schools, I think was a little bit of the difference back home than what I'm seeing here and what I'm not only seeing, but also hearing. And so we just want to make sure if that is what's happening, we can't control systems. We can voice our opinion. We can say this is needed. But we can control what we can control. And that's what we at Curly D, -D 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 we understand that and we want to make sure that they have the opportunity to voice that, but also say, you're not just this. You can be that, and we're here to support you. hmm
1: And it sounds like the professionals you have there are able to kind of say, you know, when we were your age, we had similar experiences. This is how we got from
2: there to here. Some of them may not, because we have folks that are from different countries where they're the majority. But coming to Utah, folks have a different experience. Or going different places where there aren't a lot of other people, sometimes you have those similar experiences. And we don't, we're not saying, again, I don't want people to to mistake me with saying this is everyone's experience, right? But for a lot of our youth, this is their experience. And we wanna make sure that they understand you're not the only one. We've experienced it too. And we were able, with the support of our parents or the support of our family, the support of our community, we were able to come back and say, listen, you are not that. You are not the N-word. I grew up in church, so it's like you are above and not beneath. You are a leader and not a follower. You can basically cultivate what, you, what it is that you want to be and don't listen. And that is something hard because when people are saying it often or if they're, if no one's backing you up with saying this is wrong, in your youth community or your parents, unfortunately, don't understand how to handle it. It can be hard for a 13-year-old to navigate. And so we just want to make sure that families know that they're supported, parents understand that they have resources, and also how they can work with us and help us make sure that we can continue to do this type of community involvement, building, being a resource, all the things. a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful state to be in. We can help each other exist and have fun in this beautiful state. Families, individuals experiencing life elevated. And
0: as far as foster families go, they may go into fostering saying our family welcomes everybody. But I think as a foster parent, you almost feel like you have an obligation to learn, even though you may not see it with with things in the news and cell phones, your kids are going to see it. They just are. And so better to prepare them and get them familiar and familiarize yourself. When I was researching this, you introduced me to the acronym BIPOC. Describe what BIPOC is.
2: Oh, so BIPOC is Black Indigenous People of Color. So in fast conversation, I'll say BIPOC, but I don't want to sound like I'm just grouping people because that's what a lot of folks will end up doing is just grouping all your, you know, the other race of people. It's just like I'm Black. Someone may be Hispanic or Latinx. Someone else may be Native or Indigenous. Someone else may be uh, Pacific Islander, Asian of another, another Asian group. And so BIPOC, I will say in in like fast conversation, but I do want to make sure because we're an organization that cares about the identity of our our children. I do, when I'm speaking with someone, like to introduce, if that's what they want, introduce them as, okay, this is a Native American or an indigenous person, or this is a white person, or this is a uh, Pacific Islander speaker. And we do at these events, we make sure that when our panelists for the older children and then these presenters for the younger children come, we tell them their nationality, their nationality, ethnicity, because it matters for those who can read. Because we do have five-year-olds bopping around. And so they may not be able to read everything at that point. But for families, it really is being able to see someone who looks like you I don't know if you all remember, there was a photo that was taken of former President Barack Obama and he leaned down and there was this little boy that was touching his hair because sometimes it's like, I can see you, but like to know that you have similar hair to mine, how impactful was that at that moment for that young person? Same thing with, they're not coming to touch hair at our event, but to see someone that has twists in their hair like like them. Or maybe with a girl who's struggling with how they want to wear their hair because I want long and flowing hair, or I want hair that moves. And my hair moves a little bit, but if it's a fro, I, that doesn't really move all the time. And I'm okay with that. But some young people may not be as okay. So it's like, I need to, ha- I always need to have my hair braided. I always need to have a weave on. I always need to have all these things to make me kind of blend in even though I stand out. And it's just like, you don't need those things. You can wear your natural hair. It's fine. We can link you with professionals who know how to do your hair because when you feel good about your hair, you feel, and this is any woman, specifically women. (laughs) You get your hair done. You get your highlights done. You're doing all the things. I mean, of the selfie generation, you're doing, the lighting has to be right. It's the same thing for our children, our black girls. You want to feel good in your hair, and if you don't feel good, it does alter how you feel about yourself. And then put them in a space where you're the only one. Right? And I mean, pa- parents have to understand that. That is something
0: they have to help their kids deal with, you know? How do you handle black hair? And we I know we've had classes, haven't we Liz, and in yes, style
1: over the years. Yeah. Yeah, we have. So I guess one question I have as you're talking is, so you have this amazing programming directed at the entire community at specifically for this age of black girls. What about the parents? Do you do ever do any classes for parents, particularly parents who may not be black? And so they may not have that necessarily that experience that they don't have that deep understanding because they haven't had the experience to help understand that this kid is going to be black their whole life. And we need to help them embrace that identity and live with that the rest of their life?
2: Yeah. So in the past, is a great question. In the past, we've had multiple classes available for families. We've partnered with professionals. As we've moved forward, my schedule has kind of conflicted mm. with a lot of the things that we've wanted to do. And that's why working with Utah Foster Care is a great opportunity because then we're able to go into a place instead of hosting an event. And I'm a working professional, I'm in school right now, and so I haven't had the opportunity to put things together. But when I graduate in May, thank goodness, we'll be able to do a little bit more, but we have had those classes in the past. But in the meantime, this is where I believe, I just have, I only have the example of my, the close proximity to one parent group, and that's my parent. And when my parents didn't know, I can look back on it now as an almost 35 year old woman and say they did everything they could do. They went and they asked the questions. They connected with the community. When my sister needed a tutor for, for math, they got a tutor for math. Or if I wanted to do gymnastics, they found out where I could do gymnastics. And so I, I really petitioned the families to be open-minded and to start to go places. And it may be you at first as the adult, It may be you at first that needs to go out in the community and go places you don't normally go, talk to people you don't normally talk to and say, and be weird. It's going to be awkward. But imagine how someone who either isn't from here or isn't of the majority of faith here or is of a a different race trying to navigate these same things, really putting yourself in someone else's shoes and saying, this is going to be awkward. But I'm going to do it because I want to be the best guardian foster parent to this child that I have in my care right now or who I am parenting. I've had the conversations to where and seeing the parents, where they come, they don't talk, they stand, they look. And I've had to like take a step back and be like, okay, is this, what is it? So as the presenter or as the host, really understanding what they're on, but saying, you know, people don't know what they don't know. And so what I can is try and make you feel as comfortable as possible. And this is what we try and embody in the organization is make you comfortable as possible while also challenging you. Because if you look at your child, most of the times they're just, they're finding a friend and they're bopping around or they're learning as well. And so having the support of the adult that they're with is crucial. Especially that first, second, the first year, maybe. But once they find their tribe, it's just like you can't hold them. It's a beautiful thing to be able to host events right now. But in regards to the classes and conversations and actually understanding what parents want to talk about and what they need to know. If we don't, you don't talk to us, we don't know. As a foster parent, don't be afraid
0: to ask any question you might think, oh, this is a stupid question. Like you said earlier, it starts with a sprinkle. And this event coming up in February is probably the perfect sprinkle to dip your toe into. Yeah, we would love to have you. Thank you. For details on the upcoming event by Curly Me, it's called Change the World with Her. And all the details are on CurlyMe.org. Thank you, Alicia, for talking with us this morning. And thanks as well to our producer, Marshall Shear Davis, and my co-host, Liz Rivera. Remember, you don't need to know everything to become a foster parent. You just need to be willing to learn. For more details on foster pairing and so many other ways, you can get involved with foster families. Go to utahfostercare.org. This has been fostering conversations. I'm Deborah Lindner. This has been fostering conversations with Utah Foster Care. Thank you for joining us. For more information, go to utahfostercare.org. We'll see you next time.